What I'm going to talk about is confidence. Uh, I wrote this talk about three years ago. And as you know, there's been some things going on in the Middle East which made this talk, this talk obsolete. Uh, but I'm going to give it anyway. Uh, <clears throat> but when I get to the parts that are obsolete, I'll fill in the, the up-to-date version. So, In Hebrews 3.6, Hebrews 3.6, For Christ is a son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. So now, for our purposes, we define confidence as that in which faith is put or reliance had. Every morning, every morning, we wake up and we wonder, what bad news are we going to hear today? That's the way it's going now. Or we go to bed at night, and that's what we've been doing. We've been wondering what's what's happening in the Middle East every night when we go to bed. We go to bed at night wondering what we're going to wake up to the next morning. And of course, in the past few years, <clears throat> there's been tsunamis, wars, earthquakes, landslides, terrorist bombings. And that's just to name a few of the bad news items. Things happen every day of our lives which might shake our confidence in our future. Or even more upsetting now in my life, the future of our children or our grandchildren. The events that are occurring not only seem to be getting worse all the time, they're getting worse all the time. The prophet Isaiah told the people of Israel, In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. And if this were true for natural Israel, it should also be true for us, spiritual Israel. For us, our strength is in the quiet confidence we have in the promises of God. So, do the terrible events which are happening shake our confidence in what God has promised? Does the pull of worldly pleasures and temptations shake our confidence in the joys, the joys set before us? It would be a very serious matter to lose our confidence in the promises of God. Not only the promises that we have in this life, but in the promises of the life, the better life which is to come. Paul says in Hebrews, Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward, for ye have need of patience that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. Now Paul is saying here, <clears throat> That we must understand that we are going to have to endure this life with its trials before we will, re we will realize the greater promise which has been made. There is also a strong admonition that 
the believers must realize that the promises of God apply only to those who keep their faith to the end. To the end. That's, that's, that's very important. And this is further emphasized when in Hebrews. It says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you in any of you, an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. He talks about the deceitfulness of sin as being a problem. But I might add here, that we must ex- exhort one another, lest we be discouraged just through the trials of this life. I mentioned earlier the calamities and tragedies which grab our attention daily. Added to those, we each have to deal with our own personal problems each day. <clears throat> we can't help having problems. The problem is just part of being a human. This combination of worldly and personal troubles can truly have an effect upon our confidence. So let's review some of God's promises as they relate to these kinds of circumstances, our personal problems. The angel in Psalms, all these are, let's see, these first two are Psalms. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. O fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. Psalms 27.3 Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war should rise against me. In this will I be confident. And in 1 Corinthians, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will, will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. And in Micah 7, 7, therefore I will look unto the Lord, I will wait for the God of my salvation, my God will hear me. Now, these verses were written by those who experienced, experienced trials in this life and may give us guidance in similar circumstances. They have been left on record for our benefit, and if all we need to do is heed the lessons. That's probably easier said than done. The letter to the Hebrews appears to have been written to those who had been believers for some time, for some time, and had gone through considerable trials. The purpose of the letter was to encourage them to remain steadfast until the end. Continued obedience and trust in God's promises would, en- would enable them to overcome their difficulties in this life and assure them of their reward. But on the other hand, to give up their faith now and return to the ways of the world would bring them nothing but bitter disappointment.
In Hebrews 10, 23, we read, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. We are assured that there are good things ahead for us if we do not falter. And in verses 26 and 27, we are also assured, for if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. So, <clears throat> is our greatest danger today the giving up of our hope and turning back? Can the trials of this life be just as great a distraction in our walk as the temptations to enjoy its pleasures. There are many things to distract us. You know, I, I tell everybody, we have a good life. I enjoy this life. And, and, and there are many things which we like. They distract us. But only by our strength and determination can we prevent them from taking up too much of our time and attention. We must put first things first and let some of the others go. We must realize that if we give up some of the fleeting pleasures of this life and rely on God's help in the trial, in, in the trials we face, we may face, there lies ahead of us <clears throat> an eternity of joy and happiness. 1 Corinthians 2.9 encourages us, but as it is written... I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. That's one of my favorite verses. In John 6, we read, From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then Jesus said unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. So do we have the confidence Peter had? And if we do, we must not only hold on to, on to it, it should grow stronger as the years grow by and as our knowledge and understanding increase. Our faith may not be may not be a little stronger each day. There may still be times of doubts that trouble us. Our faith doesn't grow straight. And even as we go through life, it grows more like a road winding through a mountain range. At times, it heads directly towards the highest peak, rising steadily for a while. Then it dips and turns and may even seem to be heading downward and away from our goal. But if we only keep going, we will ultimately reach the top. We will have our ups and downs, our good days and our bad days as we go through life. There will be days when our faith burns brightly and our confidence is high. Then we may have gloomy days when in spite of all our efforts, we cannot rouse any enthusiasm. 
This is natural in our present state. And we shouldn't let it surprise, <clears throat> surprise or worry us too much. Because we know the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. Outward circumstances can still have an effect how we feel within. And even John the Baptist was no exception. Jesus said to him in Matthew, Verily I say unto you, Among them that are born of woman, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he, is, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. In Matthew 3, we are told, <clears throat> In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Then went, out, then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan and were baptized of him in Jordan. John's confidence in Christ was very high, and speaking of Jesus, he told the multitude in Matthew 3, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear, he shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And on another occasion, when John was told about the work of Jesus and the crowds that were following him, he said, <clears throat> He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy is therefore fulfilled. So how much more confidence can a person have than, in anyone than we have just read? John, in these words, had, had expressed great confidence that Jesus was the one sent to save Israel. But what happened? What happened next? The, fortune of John the Bab fortunes of John the Baptist changed. He was bound and thrown into prison by Herod. Day after day, he languished there, worrying about his future. He began to doubt. And one day, he sent two of his disciples to Jesus to ask him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Just think, just think. A short period of time before, John was declaring that Christ was the Son of God, and now, he asked, do we look for another? Now, we shouldn't blame John because he, like many others, had expected Jesus to free Israel from the Roman yoke and perhaps, and of course, to free him from prison. And when Jesus made no move to do this, John needed reassurance. And this reassurance was given to John by Christ in Matthew eleven four, it's also good advice for us when our faith is not what it should be. He said, Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. In other words, go and remind John of the things in the past which gave him faith. To us, he might say that we need to review again some of the things which have helped us and given us faith in the past. Now, in addition to what we have just said about John the Baptist, 
as an example of what a change in circumstances can do to our faith, we might recall that even Christ's disciples were expecting him to restore the kingdom of Israel at an early date. When Jesus was crucified, they were completely, completely bewildered. Their confidence was completely destroyed. Their sorrowful response to all that had happened was this. But we trusted that that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. Then what happened? Then came the resurrection. When they were convinced that Jesus had risen, their sorrow turned to joy, and with new understanding and restored faith, they again went forth and gave their lives to his service. And Peter wrote, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now Peter is saying here that their hope was again alive because of Christ's resurrection. Our faith and our hope today is also based on the resurrection of Christ. That and the, his, and the promise of his return to rule the world in righteousness. It is all important that we do not lose our confidence in this promise of his coming. Peter predicted, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. So how do we combat the thinking of the scoffers? Do we become discouraged at the circumstances of the world around us? We very could well be because it's bad around us. So we go back. Go and show John again the things which you do hear and, uh, and see. Look again at the things which have helped us in the past. Paul in in Acts says that God has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. In Psalms, he shall judge thy people with righteousness and thy poor with judgment. The mountains shall bring bring peace to the people and little hills by righteousness. In the little hill by righteousness. He shall judge the poor of the people. He shall save the children of the needy. He shall break in pieces the oppressor. They shall fear thee as long as the sun and moon endure throughout all generations. He shall come down like rain upon the mown grass as showers that water the earth. In his days shall the righteous flourish in abundance of peace so long as the moon endureth. He shall have dominion also from sea to sea and from the river unto the ends of the earth. It is true that over 2,000 years have gone by without any of these things coming to pass. 
Christ has not returned as promised. The day spoken of by Isaiah, and he shall judge among the nations, shall rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Seems, now this seems as far off as it ever was. But we can be sure of one thing. We're 2,006 years closer to, this, to the fulfillment of this verse. The last 100 years or so seem to contradict that all things continue as they were. We've seen a lot of things happen. Jesus said to the Jews, if you, ye can discern the face of the sky... But can ye not discern the signs of the times? Can we discern the signs of the times today? Even unbelievers recognize that the world has reached a crisis and the earth-shaking changes are imminent. Now, the one sign of our time that almost everyone should be able to discern is the returning of the Jews to their ancient homeland. The fortunes of Israel, the people of the book that all Christians profess, profess to believe in are definitely linked in it with just such a crisis in human affairs as we see shaping up now. Now I'm getting into the past. Their restoration at this time after nearly 2,000 years of exile is of great significance. It is just one more reason why we should appreciate more than ever the appeal in Hebrews 10.35, Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. We must keep up our confidence, just as the next verses tell us we have a sound basis for it. Hebrews 10.36, For ye have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. <clears throat> God has been here for a very long time. <laughs> Our minds cannot begin to comprehend, comprehend the existence of God. If you want to see something that's incomprehensible, go out after it rains and look up in the sky. And you just, re just think, that sky goes forever. There's no end, as far as we know. <laughs> uh, it's it's amazing. I hadn't seen stars like that in probably 60 years. Uh, <clears throat> he created the world. He created the wonders of the universe. He also created man and knows what is best for him. And he has planned a wonderful wonderful future for him. And the plan is based on truth and righteousness. And there are many who do not fit into this plan. Those who 
will not believe and who refuse to do his will. During this present time of the Gentiles, <clears throat> men are pretty much free to choose the course of their lives. Will they obey, believe and obey God or will they not? Unfortunately, we know what most have cha chosen. But a judgment, a day of judgment is coming and it cannot be far off. God will intervene in the affairs of man to end the misery, the suffering, and the killing mankind has inflicted upon mankind. God will make himself known in all the earth. Jesus, looking forward to these last days, saw a time of trouble such as never has been. In Luke, he says there, there shall be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and upon the earth the stress of nations with perplexity, the seas and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear, and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken, and then they shall see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Brothers and sisters, have we ever seen the world in such a condition as we see it now? I haven't. <laughs> ben, have you ever seen the world? Ben's older than I am. Uh, <clears throat> now, at any time, the Middle East could blow up. Now, what's happened? It's blown up. It's blowing up every day. At, at any time, some seem, seemingly minor event could start an all-out war. What happened? What started it? What started the war? Something minor? They've killed 400 Lebanese. They've killed 50 Israelis because they captured two, two soldiers in Lebanon and one in Gaza. Does this seem minor? Does to me. Because I think the guys they captured are still alive. <clears throat> we know how fast it could happen. When we think of how quickly wars have happened between the Arabs and Israelis in the last 50 years. You know, it, it, it just happened just overnight. Now, bring this even closer to home uh, September the 11th 2001 look how the world has changed since then I have three years here it's been five years now almost five years when these things happen we must once more put our confidence to the test you know we talked about today Without a vision, the people perish. So we must, we must have this vision in front of us to, to put our focus on where we're going. We've got to have a vision. We've got to keep this vision in front of us. Never let it, let it die. Twenty-first chapter of Luke, we have a verse which is very applicable to this time. 
And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up, lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh.